Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the last lap podcast. The only podcast that, like Lewis Hamilton, always misses out on a Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my spectacular co-host, Sean Gray. Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this week we shall be looking back at the Brazilian Grand Prix, um, usually one of our favourite ones on the calendar, uh, perhaps not this year being the greatest example of how good the Brazilian Grand Prix can be, but still worthy of a few talking points coming from it, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we'll take a look at what's going on in the Formula One news uh, and see what else comes up during the show. Um, so yeah, let's get into the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, qualifying was probably the dullest qualifying of the of the year. Really, it, it was exactly as um, it co- was kind of predicted to be, w- one way or t'other. Really, it was the the Mercedes well out front, and then um, Ferrari and Williams sort of battling for the for the next couple of places. Um, decent result for Nico Hulkenberg, I, I guess, getting the force injury into sixth, although. He always does quite well there, though. I'm sure we'll come on to Hockenberg as we go through the results, but he always does uh, does well at, at Interlagos. So. Uh, bad qualifying for the Red Bulls, I guess, in 7th and ninth. Um, I'm not sure why, because you'd have thought that Brazil would have been a circuit that kind of suited them, really, with all the sort of twisty... But that's a big, big straight as well, though. Uh, I suppose. So, works both ways, I guess, doesn't it? This so. is true. This is true. Um, special of note... <laughs> For Fernando Alonso for creating the defining image of Formula One 2015 by uh, parking his McLaren in, in Q1 uh, and then going and sitting in, in a deck chair to uh, take in the, <laughs> the Brazilian sunshine rather than going back to the pits. It's uh, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> There's just a little bit of me that just thinks that sort of Fernando Alonso at Ferrari would have stormed off somewhere and been very unhappy and there's something quite nice about the fact that he's gone to mclaren just doesn't care anymore at all (laughs) it's it's been so terrible there is no pressure on him whatsoever so he's just like all right then i know absolutely everybody's going to be taking photos of me doing this i will fact even turn around and wink to the camera (laughs) as this this going on and uh well he's he's probably in that one thing given mclaren more press coverage than uh, mercedes have gotten all year (laughs) that's true (laughs) (laughs) You got um, five poles in a row for Nico. Indeed, uh, yes. Which is, you know, interesting. Now that the pressure's off him, the title's gone, he's suddenly bringing it. Well, I suppose that there's two of those poles came before, you know, before the title was decided oh, yeah. at Austin. I so. suppose that's true. That's fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, not much, not most thrilling qualifying in the world. No, was there it? was nobody doing, you know, something amazing and, and putting their car in a... Uh, a position that you wouldn't have expected them to be in. But, uh, there you go. Um, so to the race. Um, Nico wins again. How many is that now in a row? Um, he won the last. Is he won the last three? I think it's the last three. Yeah. Uh, well, he won. Explain that. Mexico, Brazil, and. Am I forgetting one? <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. Hang on a Let me... What are we doing? So this was Brazil. Oh no, it's the last two they won because Lewis oh, won yes, the United won States. Austin, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he won Mexico and he won Brazil. 
when and again when the pressure's off I and mean, like the title's gone he's won the last two the second the second the title got wrapped up <laughs> either either rosberg's you know felt some sort of mental release and he's able to just you know drive to his full capabilities or lewis has taken his foot off the gas what what do you reckon what way do you think that goes because that seems to be the big debate coming out of the weekend here yeah is Lu- has Lewis taken his foot off the gas or has Rosberg upped his game? And obviously, depending on what side of the fence that you generally sit on regarding those two, will, uh, you know, because you see some people on the on the Lewis Hamilton side, they'll give it the old, oh, Lewis is just, you know, he, he's taking it easy. It's not his true reflection of his form. What do you reckon? Um, I don't know. I, I think it could be that you. there's a lot of, you know, Mercedes has said that they've been, you know, sort of quietly been putting on parts, looking ahead to next year. Um, so it's entirely possible, I guess, that the, the characteristics of the car have somewhat come back towards something that Nico prefers, um, and that's just done it. You know, that that's the change. Um, the, the the handling characteristics or whatever it is that makes him feel that he's got more trust in the car. Because that's what it seems to me is that um, Nico before always seemed to be snatching at things, and um, or you'd see that Lewis was breaking, you know, meters later than he was, mm-hmm. um, and now it doesn't seem to be the case. It's you know, it's Nico. Well, not 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 that Lewis seems uncomfortable in the car, more so that Nico seems much more comfortable in the car. He seems to be able to break late and be able to fight and hold his teammate um without i guess him feeling that he was right on the edge he actually is now driving on the edge um and that's just made it difficult for hamilton because instead of having a teammate who you know what he thinks is that's fine i you know he's going to break at the 100 meter board i'm going to break like two meters after that um because i know that's gonna i know i'm going to be ahead at that point and it's and it's fine. He's now got a teammate that's, you know, breaking at the same time, if not later than he is. And he, it's just difficult. And, uh, you know, again, as you as we were forced to hear on the radio of hearing somebody bleat on about how difficult it is to pass a Formula One car, you know, that's just the way it is. It's been that way for, you know, <laughs> the last three or four a long seasons, time. really. <laughs> um, probably even probably even further back than that, to be honest. But, yeah. So do you think there's anything in the... And the suggestion that it's because the pressure's off and Nico's allowed himself to real to relax mentally. I don't think so. I, I no. think I, well, no, because I, I I think I think it's not a case of that, and I don't think it's a case that Lewis is taking his foot off the brake because I know for a fact that Lewis is clearly wants to be yeah, Mr. Record think, Holder and all yeah, those bits and pieces. I agree. I don't think Lewis has taken his foot off the gas at all because he's very much like Sebastian in the sense that he wants. He wants the fastest laps. He wants the he wants the uh, the wins, the pole records, everything. Just because Lewis has wrapped up the title, I, I don't think for a second he'd have taken his foot off the brakes. No, so I, th- I think that I think I think Rosberg has improved. I just want I'm just not entirely convinced whether it's his mental state that's improved or if it is, as you point out, literally something in the car that is suiting him, is suiting his driving style better. I, I, I'm not sure. Possibly elements of both, to be honest. There's a bit of me that wonders if part of it is. Um, I wonder if, to some extent, maybe the whole you know Capgate thing and and Lewis's. I feel like there's been a kind of change in his 
public persona since he won the title. Um, and not in a good way. There seems to be creeping elements of, you know, hubris and arrogance about what he says he does and, and bits and pieces. And I wonder if that, to some extent, is, uh, you know, has made, instead of Nico kind of, I don't know, maybe feeling that there there was something he needed to do to avoid accidents or, you know, act in a certain way, he feels now that the pressure is off because, you know, well, if Lewis is going to behave that way, I can, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to kid glove it like I have been, um, either on track or or outside of, um, outside in the media. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just wonder if that's, to some extent, I mean, I, I don't think it's lit a fire under him per se, but I definitely think that he might well have a a different attitude towards towards Lewis now. Um, and I wonder if he's a bit buoyed by the fact that whenever Lewis seems to make these statements, the reaction social media-wise certainly seems to be a big 50-50 split. Um between people who you know uh, support him and the people who don't, um, whereas during the season it, it will seem to be unanimously pro Lewis absolutely everywhere, um, and I wonder if that maybe just got to him and made it feel made him feel like you know F one favoured his teammate even if maybe the team wasn't. Um, so I, I think everything comes into it, but I, I think the main thing is I, I reckon that the upgrades to the car just happen to be suit, suiting how he wants to drive, um, whereas for the whole of the rest of the season, it's been a car that Lewis has been much happier with. Fair enough, yeah. What did you make of the actual battle itself on track then? The action? Uh, Well, there wasn't really... Much to talk about, really, was there? <laughs> no. <laughs> um... Uh... Hmm. Well, I guess, I guess the main whole talking point is going back to the the strategy at Mercedes again, um, and I've personally been wound up by suddenly, especially Sky, although the BBC have been guilty of it as well, but especially Sky. Now that Lewis isn't benefiting you know, and winning races because of the pit stop strategy. Now it's the worst thing in Formula One. <laughs> yeah. Why can't they let Lewis race? Like, well, then that wouldn't be fair, would it? It wouldn't be fair to have said to Nico, oh, you can't challenge for wins when the title's on the line. And now the title's off and it's suiting for Lewis. Oh, well, that's fine. We're just going to change it around again. That would be so, so monumentally unfair. Um, do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, saying, oh, well, for the fans, it's just like, well, there's no it isn't for the fans if you only do it for the last two races when there's nothing on the line you've stripped us of an entire season and a title you know a title decision based on it only for you to say oh well and it doesn't matter we'll let them race and actually you know we'll, we'll do something good for the sport but you know the rest of the time sod it and uh, you know again uh, as we've both said we, we don't blame mercedes for doing that strategy no it's exactly the right thing to do to manage your team that you way just- you just don't get to complain when it doesn't go the w- the way of the guy that you want it to go the way of. Like, uh, I'm not having Lewis Hamilton fans complain about it now if they accepted it earlier in the season. Yeah. 
you know you can't have it both ways you know I, I didn't like it earlier in the season and I don't like it now so like I'm not suddenly saying oh it's good now that uh, as, as someone who prefers Nico to Lewis I'm not going to start saying now oh this is brilliant because Rosberg's winning races I'm happy Rosberg's winning but I would prefer to see a good on-track battle and a good strategic battle between the two rather than just have my guy who's in front start the race and then finish the race you know information basically which is what this race was and even further down towards the ferraris and the williams and stuff it was kind of just sort of like it has it the, has the, the first five off the grid were pretty much the first five home i think yeah it has slowly crept into the ferrari way of thinking although i think in general vettel's been a much bigger match for for kimmy that it's it's been less of an issue there hasn't been a case where really kimmy could have undercut vettel and come out ahead of him and and, no, know. I don't. I don't think. I don't. Yeah, if Kimi, if, Sebastian's really had Kimi's number ninety-five percent of the time. I would say this season, but just in just in general, you know, the what was the first four in the grid? The two Mercedes and the two Ferraris, and then they finished the first four home. So there was just it was just a very nothing race for me in general. There wasn't much to take out of it. No, um, out, out, there was much more sort of political things among in the Mercedes team dynamic to take out of it more than uh actual on track action. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Which is a shame. I'd rather not talk about I'd rather talk about, you know g- great stuff on the track rather than off the track. Yeah. Um and the interesting thing was I guess in that um almost what we should talk about on track action is um how dominant the Mercedes was again. Yeah, in comparison to everybody else, yeah. Um, lapped everybody up to uh, fifth place. Uh, yeah, only and, o- only the two Ferraris, I think, was it, that didn't get lapped? Yep. Um, and finished 14 seconds ahead of Sebastian Vettel. You know, at a, tra- at a track that everybody said, oh, I think the Ferraris will, you know, be challenging the Mercedes here. Just yet again, we've been shown quite how good that mercedes car is you know it's got to be as a complete package one of the best formula one cars ever do -hmm. you know what i mean oh yeah even even better than some of you know the um probably the new e um 2011 maybe or 20 or the 2013 the ones where they completely dominated would be in there but um the the Renault engine in those cars kind of makes you just go, mm, I wonder what, you know, how amazing that car could have been with the Mercedes unit in the back if that, you know, if they'd had the, the top, top speed as well as the downfall. But the, the Mercedes just seems to have it everywhere. Do you know what I mean? It's good chassis, good aero, good, um, good engine. Um, even seems to be reasonably kind on its tyres. You know, it doesn't chew them up necessarily. As a machine, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> just just doesn't make for gr- yeah. great racing against all the other teams really I think as well 14 seconds Sebastian Vettel finished behind Rosberg if they wanted that to be bigger I have no doubt that probably could have been bigger you know if, if, if Rosberg had wanted to you know had 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 they needed to had, had Vettel been right on the tail of or looked like getting closer through strategy or whatever, I think they probably could have pulled out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing for me is uh, 
that, that it was it was it uh, was twenty twenty odd seconds to to Raikkonen behind Vettel. What, what was that uh, just was that just pace or did Raikkonen have a, a problem? I can't he remember. He two stopped. Did he? T- oh right, okay, yeah. Raikkonen and everybody both, else, both two everybody stopped. else threed, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so that that pretty much comes into that. Um, he was he was very fast at one point during the race, but then when it got to the end of it, Vettel just sort of disappeared into the distance. Um, but Ferrari did the right thing there, didn't they? They split the strategy and went, well, we've got both the cars in the same kind of area of the grid. We're not so, entirely sure, you know, two stop on paper is the best one. Um, but, you know, if, if you know, need to, we'll, we'll, you know, we can augment it. And by that time, I mean, the interesting thing there is that there was a split strategy there, wasn't it? In that Vettel went to the three stop, the same as the cars in front of him. Uh, and Kimi stayed on a two stop, which might have, you know, might have done something for him, you know, during the race. He just didn't know at that stage. Um, you know, that's he, true. Yeah, in Could the have end, way. <laughs> in the end, it hasn't. But that, uh, you know, um, you wouldn't see Mercedes doing that, would you? No, not unless, like I said last time, the only time they ever did it was when Rosberg had had a spin at the start or something and ended up down in fifth or sixth a couple of times. Uh, in the last couple of seasons, Nico's found himself slightly out of position, so they've they've changed the strategy to get him ahead of I don't know the Ferraris or whoever it may be. But but when it's Mercedes one and two off the grid and they both reach the first corner one and two, you just know ninety five percent of the time whoever whoever leads into that first corner is probably going to win the race. Yeah, and this stretches back, you know, a couple of seasons now. This is uh, the. From the second Mercedes started having a race-winning car, that's the way it's been. It's not a new thing. No. Uh, I guess if we if we skip the Mercedes and Ferraris, we've got to look at the fact that the Williams, you know, challenging Mercedes last season, were lapped in Brazil. Yeah. In, in fifth place, you know, I'm not suggesting that the you know the cars dropped down to last place or anything like that, but still being lapped is pretty. Yeah pretty significant i think isn't it what what do you feel's gone wrong at williams is it a lack of you know design you know that they're not improving the car is it a case that they're doing just a bad job of it have they have they exhausted the things that they're good at and they're now left only with the things that they're bad at to try and improve the car i'm honestly not sure uh <sighs> It's a really difficult one because there's no reason why they shouldn't be at least matching the Ferraris, I don't think. Uh, but, I mean, a Ferrari have obviously got a greater budget for, for you know, developing an aero and things like that. But then you would think that the Mer- Williams having the Mercedes engine, which should should be better than a Ferrari engine. So you'd think it would kind of even out. It's a difficult one. I don't, I don't know the answer, to be honest. <laughs> what do you... Skipping ahead a little bit to, you know, uh, something that's F1 news. There's been reports in a few media sources that Rob Smedley could be on his way to um, the new Haas team. Okay. Um, what, you know, again, the, the you suddenly think, well, why? You know, it can't be that Smedley's doing a bad job and that they want rid of him. Um so do you think Smedley's maybe seen something from inside the team that's made him think 
this isn't going anywhere. Might yeah. as well try my luck somewhere else and see what happens. Take a punt. I wonder. Do you know what I mean? Um, There's maybe vibes inside the team that, you know, this is as good as it's going to get, maybe. Possibly. In terms of development, uh, it, it, in terms of budget. They maybe just don't have the budget. Yeah. I, I wonder if he went, you know, he went with Massa, didn't he, really? That was the kind of thing. Massa left Ferrari and then Smedley went with him to Williams or the other way around, one or the other. Um, there's already talk that Felipe, you know, after next year won't be won't be with the team. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be the end of his. He, you know, they'll get somebody else in. Do you think Smedley's looking at that and thinking, um, well, without Massa there, maybe I'm a little bit isolated within the team. Um, maybe I should go somewhere where um, my talents are going to integrate me into a new team where I can, you know forge the alliances and and bits and pieces rather than end up you know because he's head engineer isn't he he's not flipping masses race engineer he's the, no, yes. the head of of race day engineering or whatever that title is so i wonder if he's looked at it and just gone well if felipe goes you know how how do i sit within this team and you know maybe where it's going and has just gone right that's fine i'll um i'll go here i'll go to this team link with ferrari where you know I don't know. Maybe, maybe he thinks there's a way back into the Scuderia. Ah, no, probably not. But um, it, it's interesting that that you'd go from a team like Williams, comfortably third, to Huss with absolutely no idea exactly where they're going to be on the grid. Um, well, that's it. Like I said, it's taking a punt, isn't it? Like, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like it's a bit like Honda, McLaren and the Honda thing, you know. If he stays at Williams, is he ever going to be any more than third best team? Whereas you go to a new team and they might it might be rubbish, but you know, could be great. It's like McLaren taking on the Honda engine. You know, if they stayed with the Mercedes engine, they were only ever going to be second to the Mercedes. So they might as well have a go with something different and see what happens. <laughs> well, obviously, it's not turned out well this season, but. Going down the line, you still hope for bigger things. And I hadn't heard that rumor until you mentioned it about Smedley, but it does suggest that there's vibes inside the team that I don't know. Maybe the the, the money isn't there to, to to go any further than where they are, which which would would explain kind of how they've dropped behind Ferrari because Ferrari we know are never going to have budget problems. They're always <laughs> going to be developing the aero and stuff on their car. Yeah. So maybe it's just purely a money thing, which would at least explain it. So uh, sixth place was Nico Hulkenberg in the Force India, a bit of a renaissance for the for the German after the, having a few races, as we said, off the yeah, boil. He's um, just he's, kept crashing every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's you know been bringing in the points for uh, for the team the last couple of races, whereas Perez seems to have been the one that's gone off the boil. Don't know what there is to explain that, but it does always seem to be that you, <laughs> with Force India, you you have one driver who's on form and the other driver is doing something you know is is really doing terrible, stupid, <laughs> <laughs> just complete insanity. Um, as I said, I touched on it earlier, but Hulkenberg is always goes well here. Obviously, put it on pole here uh, when he was in the Williams, true. and he uh, I think he, he led quite a high a lot of that race as well. You know, he drove a really good race, so he has always gone well around this track. I think there's a, he's been in the points. Uh, most most of the time he's he's raced at this track, so we shouldn't be really too surprised that he's that he's had a good a good race here. 
And he needed it. He needed it. Oh to yes. Be honest. Yeah, because yes. it was not going, not going too well. His second uh, second half of the season. Not even not even like he was, just it wasn't like he was just not driving, not getting the points. He was making proper like rookie mistakes. You know, which was strange. It was someone who you'd associate with being quite, quite solid. So, yeah, good result for Hulkenberg and one that he needed. Uh, he finished ahead of Daniel. Kvyat in the Red Bull. Um, he turned into Mr. Consistent, hasn't he, really, uh, Danny? He's, He's been outperforming Danny Rick a little bit, you know, whether it's a combination of just reliability and... I mean, Ricardo has stuff, been has been unlucky. And luck, yeah, but. that's what I mean. But, you know, he's like you say, consistent. He's, he's there. Yeah, you know, and you see him putting quick laps and, and doing overtakes and stuff. It's not... Um, you know, he's not inheriting good points good points finishes you know to, to get where he is um he's been putting the moves on people he's done a quite quietly just really doing a very good job um i don't think that means that daniel ricardo is um unsafe in his seat or, or anything oh, like that far from it i would say but um but I, I, if anything it might just mean that Kvyat's seat's a little bit more secure than it you know possibly might have been with max verstappen coming on the scene and stuff which, which I'm glad of, because he definitely deserves the chance to, to you know, uh, an, at least another season in the top Red Bull team, for sure. Yeah. Felipe Massa came home in eighth place in the other Williams. Um, I don't know, did he, did he have any problems during the race? I can't really remember. Well, he ended up disqualified, didn't he? Oh, yes, that's true. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Came home eighth, uh, and then uh, isn't eighth. So I guess that means that everybody moves up one place yeah. in the scoring so we're trying to remember that um, oh yeah it was tyre pressures wasn't it yeah there was something to do oh, with no, he overcooked his over, tyres overheated tyres with a tyre blanket uh, but then Pirelli was saying that if they'd actually gotten it up to that temperature the tyres would have been damaged so it seems a, seems a little harsh that he's been you know um, been picked on for heating his tyres too hard when it Probably didn't do him any favours anyway. Certainly didn't get him further up the grid, did it? No, it was a strange one. I'm, I don't really... I hadn't heard... It's not something you see very often. Uh, a disqualification for, for overheated tyres. I can't remember a, a single time I've seen that. Uh, well, it, in my time watching Formula 1, but... It, it did bring up some interesting things that I didn't realise were rules, in that there is a maximum temperature that you can... Um, heat your tyres to and the tyre blankets should only be able to heat your tyres that high so it always makes me feel it's a bit like you know with the f the fuel flow in the when they did refuelling it was supposed to be standard wasn't it but the teams all played about with it to try and make it go faster than it was sort of legally allowed to do you remember that with refuelling? oh yeah 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 of course yeah sorry so I'm, I'm kind of, kind of wondering if it's the same thing here that you know um <laughs> that, some, some poor sod's job trying a little bit of <laughs> skullduggery yeah somebody's, somebody's poor job is to sit there and try and make the tyre blankets go hotter than they're supposed to an interesting job that guy I think that, more, that guy must have but uh, yeah odd one odd one really uh, Roman Grosjean in ninth um, more points into the uh, Lotus team soon to be Renault by the sounds of things um I've been saying that for weeks. Isn't it? That's, that's yeah. like the red, that's like the Red Bull engine debate, Mark. Too, like it's we've been saying that for 
for forever now. So like, when's it going to happen? Surely, surely team. Like, I mean, it's nearly December. You know, teams are going to have to start getting their new cars out on track within mm. the next sort of six to eight weeks, kind of thing. Like these kind of deals need to be need to be nipped in the bud. Every week we're talking about them, but like, looks like it's going that way. <laughs> Grosjean going from Lotus. How big a blow is that? Do we do we really think? Uh, I think it's a big blow. I, you don't need me to tell you how much bigger fan of Roman Grosjean I am. He, and it's, I think it's a bigger blow in the context of that they're going to put Julian Palmer in the seat because they've got no. Well, I was going to say they've got no experience, but that's not true because they do have experience. They just don't have any valuable experience. <laughs> it's the wrong kind of experience. <laughs> They'll have Maldonado and Palmer, and I just who's leading that team? Who's your well, main, who's your lead driver? Is it Maldonado? Indeed, because it shouldn't be. Uh, or is it Julian Palmer? Well, no, because he's a bloody rookie who's just stepped in the car, so it can't possibly be him. So that just it's like a headless snake, you know. They feel like they don't have a they don't have a figurehead as a driver in that side. Come and yeah, Jordan. Without, without, <laughs> yeah, put her in the car. She'll do a better <laughs> job than Pasta. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, with but Massa's uh, disqualification, I've never got another point this weekend. So. No, I suppose that's true, isn't it? But yeah, I, I think it's a blow. I think it's a big blow. Uh, time will tell, but with the takeover looking like it's going to happen, you want you want someone who's going to be the man in that team to drive it forward into a new era, you know? You need you need someone like that, and Grosjean's not necessarily the most experienced guy in the world, but he's definitely he would have, he's been in that team a long time. He would have been in the position to do that. The other two, not so much. So yeah, time wonder, will tell. You know, uh, it's a bit like the Rob Smedley thing, jumping to Haas. Like he sees that it's gone as far as it possibly can go there, and he's better trying something new rather than staying with the old stagnant. Yeah, you kind of wonder with Lotus because. There are other op- there, you know there are other options out there really than 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 bringing Palmer into the team, and if you think about it really, you know Mark Webber's only been a season out of the sport doing his WEC stuff. Do you know what I mean? And if you're talking about a consistent driver who's shown that you know he's got the speed to compete with you know the likes of Sebastian Vettel and uh, and, and things like that, you would have thought you know maybe somebody might have just been tapping him up and seeing if he you know felt like coming well, back to F1. But well, I'm sure. Teams would be happy to have Weber still. I, I think Matt Weber's got absolutely no desire to drive in Formula One anymore, from what I've heard. Yeah, I've read a few comments from him that he 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 hates the new the new tech, the new way of the engines and stuff like that, and that he was trying to get Button to he was tapping up Button to come and join him in endurance cars. You know, he was trying to encourage the older boys to go and to quit Formula One. So, like, I heard a few comments from Weber that he w- just wasn't a fan. So. Uh, whilst he would definitely still do a job, I've no doubt about it. Don't think he would. Don't think he'd be interested. Yeah, and I suppose. You, but then you've got the guys who've you know fairly recently gone into Formula E as well, isn't there? There's, you know, John Eric Verne, Nick Heidfeld, um, Jerome D'Ambrosio, um, and and there's there's definitely um, there's definitely people out there, aren't there? Really, that you, mm-hmm. yeah. you kind of think that you don't have to go with Julian Palmer. If you didn't want to, there are there are people with good racing experience that you could definitely get back in and and do a job. Oh well, I guess that's ours is not to reason why. <laughs> might might work out brilliantly. Who knows? It's t- still a time will tell, kind of. True, 
absolutely in true. Situation. We didn't think that Felipe Nasser was going to do very much this season, and he's you know quite quite convincingly been um, better than Marcus Eriksson, who had a season in F1 ahead of him. Um, so yeah, okay. Uh, Max Verstappen finishes in tenth to uh, you know gild his lily even more with uh, another points finish. Um, a couple oh, of a couple of good overtaking moves from him um, this race as well. Um, I wasn't getting quite as wet in the knicker department as some people were seeing. No, again, but... I, I agree with that. There was <laughs> one into the first corner. Like, it was a decent enough move, but... I thought it was a fairly it's... typical one. Isn't that what yeah. most people do to overtake into the first corner? So it's becoming a little bit sort of embarrassing a wee bit, the, <laughs> the loving, but... Well, I guess I know, it's, Martin Brundle, it's Martin Brundle maybe managing him or something like I that. Was just, I was just wondering <laughs> if that might have been the case, possibly. Uh, well, I, I guess if, you, if you've got to get excited about something, so that was probably one of the few things to get excited about. Ah, well, eh? yeah. He is good. He was good. Yeah. He did have another good race. So. Uh, yeah. Pastor Maldonado, obviously, he finished 11th, but obviously moved up to 10th, so that's another point-scoring finish for him. Um which he needs really after the start of the season for him, which was just well pathetic, really. So <laughs> it was just the amount of DNFs. I've never seen anything quite like it. <laughs> for, like and first first lap <laughs> DNFs as well, wasn't it? It's just like if somebody was going to not get get one lap under the belt, it was going to be faster. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happened. Maybe he's just gotten even slower, and so he's just avoiding all of the incidents because he's so far behind everything that's going on. But uh, <laughs> that didn't really ever seem to stop him before, did it? <laughs> That's uh, to be fair to the boy. He's had four points finishes in the last five races, so credit where it's due. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Then fair enough. Uh, Danny Rick uh, finished in twelfth place. I don't really remember what happened to him. Did he have a coming together with somebody or or something? Or I don't really don't really remember what happened to him. No, to be honest, I don't either. Which is. Uh, not good. Let's have a look. Oh, that said, Pastor Maldonado, he did get a five-second penalty for for fucking running into Marcus Ericsson at turn one. Do you remember? Just spun him around and then drove off like nothing had happened. Daniel Ricardo, did he have to? He started on the. He started at the back of the grid. Oh, did he? Ah, okay. Did he? Oh, I thought he... I think so. Yeah. Okay. I thought he... Um... Yeah, he tried to take a 10-place grid penalty. Uh, uh, okay, that's the bit I was so, missing then. So he was just trying to work his way through the grid and... Uh, yeah, not the greatest track to do that, really. I think that's it. That was all, really, as far as I can tell. Okay. Uh, Perez in uh, fairly poor 13th, given that his, um, his teammate finished, you know, seven places above him. I feel like Perez was further up than that, and he just kind of had a... It's a pretty poor race, to be honest. I don't know. I, I, did he do a two-stop as well? I, I don't know. He's the guy that you would have assumed would have would have gone for it, if anybody did. Um, Maybe it just didn't work out for him. Possibly. Um, Felipe Nazar in 14th for Sauber. Uh, only finished a couple of seconds ahead of Jensen Button in the McLaren, which probably would have buoyed McLaren spirits somewhat. Um, that at least at some point during the race, they were chasing down cars. Um. <clears throat> I honestly don't remember a single thing about Felipe Nasser's uh, no and race. The only reason I, you know, the only reason that I took any notice of of what he was doing was because Jensen was um, 
Near him. With about, yeah, with about five laps to go, he was about five laps behind him and closing in on him at a rate of knots. Um, so there was a chance that he might have actually been overtaken, possibly. Uh, so Jensen 15th, Fernando in 16th. Um, what can you say? Really? <laughs> there's no... There's nothing to... Yeah, you're right. It, it's a It's a circuit with a big straight on it. They were doomed, really, from the start. But at least, you know, at least after going through quite so many engines, they got both of the engines to go through and, and finish the race. So that's something, although Alonso was a, a fair way down on uh, on Jensen by the end of the race. Um, Ericsson in 17th, finishing behind the McLarens. Now he had the spin by uh, Maldonado. I can't remember any other reason why he was behind the McLarens, really. Unless something yeah. something was bust on his car and he had to take an extra pit stop, but... Hmm. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know either. <laughs> or, or, or care, if I'm completely yeah, honest. It is complete lack of... It's just apathy when it comes to the Sauber <laughs> team in this, this season. Like, pure apathy. Well... Uh, Last two, last two places, Will Stevens and Alexander Rossi. So Stevens uh, managing to finish ahead of Rossi for the first time in a couple of races. So um, that's good for him, I guess. It must have been fairly, uh, fairly upsetting to have been quite so soundly beaten by your brand new teammate in the last few races uh, of the season, where you know the, the guys had the car for a, a few practice laps and you've had it all season, and he's uh, he's finishing ahead of you. Uh, yeah, well done, well, yeah. Good to see the two manners. Uh, only, only four laps down <laughs> of the leaders. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when, when the Williams sees and the Red Bulls of the world are getting lapped, you know it's not good for it's, it's, it's not going to be a good day nope. for Manor. <laughs> <laughs> um, only one DNF. Yes. Uh, Carlos Sainz just never got. He did the Fernando Alonso, didn't he? He did. <laughs> he didn't. Tried Let, his let's best. see if it works. It's not worked. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously massive DQ, but that was it. So a very reliable race. Yeah, it's not the greatest Brazilian Grand Prix. No, and, I wanna... and they can be like that. It has to be said that when it the conditions are absolutely perfect, um, and the cars have chunks of pace between them, it can be a little bit processional. It's better when there's other cars out of place. Um, because of weather or whatever, you, or the cars all happen to be closer together on, on you know, performance-wise, and then it's a bit more interesting. But well, yeah, it, it's happened before in this season that good, good Grand Prix have been fairly boring based on, you know, the way that F1 seems to be working at the moment. I guess we shouldn't be that surprised by it that it happened here. What's the solution? We talk about it every week. Is it is it aero to make the cars follow one another? Do you think that would have made would that made this Grand Prix a better Grand Prix for you? If, do you think if, if we could if cars could follow one another, would it have been any different? I don't think it would have. Well, that's you know the the thing is is this not is this not why we have DRS? I thought DRS was supposed to be. It's just it's the gaps between the teams because it's obviously two by two a lot yeah. of the places. So it's the two Mercedes and the two Ferraris, and then had Massa not had his issues, probably would have been the two Williamses. So we need the teams to come closer together. It's all very good having the 
you know, if the cars could follow each other a little bit better, then Hamilton might have been able to attack Rosberg and so, and, and so forth. But then that's just inter-team battles, and that's where it gets a bit messy because teams can dictate that how they want it depending on what they see as the best result for, for the team. Whereas what, what we need, we need, we need, we need, like... Like in the late nineties and early two thousands, you had Hakkinen and Schumacher, McLaren and Ferrari, and then you had the two number two drivers battling it out behind them. So there was good battles for first and second, and then third and fourth. Yeah. Whereas when you've got the such a gap between the two teams, you just have the the two drivers for each team driving around in first and second, not really doing much, and the two drivers driving around third and fourth, not really doing much. Yes. I'm just I'm just you know the season's nearly over. We'll give it the winter and see if see if, if what we need is we need a Ferrari or anybody else if they want to get close to to the Mercedes. We need to have a, a it's been too long now where it's been a, a front row lockout. We need Ferraris and Williams, McLaren, Red Bulls, etc. to be able to have pace where they can where the grid isn't the two cars and then two cars and then the two cars all of the same team because you're just going to end up with the result being the same. I yeah. Think. You're gonna and if if two Mercedes on the front row, they're gonna finish first and second. If the two Mercedes, uh, the two Ferraris are third and fourth, they're gonna finish third and fourth, ninety percent of the time. We need a situation where the Ferrari is capable of going Hamilton and Vettel on the front row, and then Rosberg and Raikkonen on the third row, and that way at least we've got two rival teams battling it out. As it is, it's just nothing. It's just it's just nothingness. They're just driving to the end of the line, basically. Yeah. Um... I don't think there are simple solutions, but there isn't. Like I say, we just give it the winter and hope that teams catch up with Mercedes. Yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much what it comes down to. Um, I think, I think I'm gonna. We've got to wait until 2017 now before we can make any decisions because it feels like there's already plans in place for the season after next. So nobody's gonna think about doing anything different anyway. So we've got two se- you've probably got two seasons before anything else radical will even be vaguely suggested. So I you know if you like Formula One at the moment, you're probably gonna be quite happy if you're not all that impressed. Um wait a year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Come back next year. Wait two years possibly <laughs> even, because you know, if twenty seventeen doesn't prove to be the big you know, the big rule change, doesn't actually prove to do anything to actually change anything. Um you know, it's just going to be more of the same, really. So, uh, I don't know. Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> yes, we will. We absolutely will. We'll still be here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Still mm. moaning about it, probably. Still. <laughs> That's what we do best. Uh, so, with the Brazilian Grand Prix all wrapped up, then let's take a look at what's going on in the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast. And I'm going to start with uh, Germany not winning something in sport because that always makes me feel happier. Uh, <laughs> yes, Team Germany have been pipped to the race of champions. Uh, I've never seen any other race of champions, so this is news to me. Uh-huh. You're giving me the news. Indeed. Um, yes, uh, second place only for the team of uh, Vettel and Hulkenberg as they were be- beaten by um, 
Team England won. So we obviously had more than one team in there, which is quite nice. <laughs> um, get, who, get, who, get, was in, who was in Team England won? Uh, Jason Plato. Right, okay. And a guy whose last name I am going to attempt to say, um, because I think I know how it's said, but if it isn't, please, you know, um, <laughs> don't don't slate me for it. Andy Prio? I don't know who that is. <laughs> he... Um, <laughs> Uh, what is it? Um, it's not stock car. What is it? They they call it a um, touring car. Touring car. They're both touring car. Andy Prio and Jason. I know who Prio. Jason Plato is, but I don't know who Andy Prio is. Yeah, he's. Last... I haven't seen haven't seen touring cars for years. He's I used la- to love watching the touring cars, but I don't know. It's just something that I've kind of not. Well, it's not, not seen much of. It used to be on ITV two, and then they moved it to ITV four, and then never advertise it. So unless you <laughs> happen to be like, especially if you've got Sky or something like that, and you've got six hundred channels, you're not flicking through until you get to ITV four, which is like channel one hundred and eighty nine. You've given up <laughs> by the time you've got to Challenge TV at one two five. So it's the same problem with Formula E is that you've got no idea it's on. Did you know that the first Formula E race has already happened? No idea. No, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't either, but apparently it was absolutely amazing. It was a really, really good oh, really? race. Yeah. Uh, having said for in the months in the build-up to Formula E, oh, I want to watch Formula E. I've, I've not seen any of it. You no. know? There's just there's that much going on at times. I can't keep up with everything. It really annoys me that, you know, it, it doesn't. none of the races clash with Formula 1, so why isn't it on Sky or the BBC? Do you know what I mean? I don't That's understand. True. I just don't understand why we we can't have it on in between Formula One races because <laughs> I think most Formula One fans would probably watch it anyway, just because it's on when the Formula One isn't on. It's certainly what I do, do you know what I mean? And I'd be able to take much more interest in it. But I'm not gonna sort you know, search out ITV four at random times just to try and pick it up. Um and if I'm not watching it live, I don't really I'm not really that fussed to watch it on recording. Yeah, I'm not that's my problem. If I don't realise it's on I'll probably not go back and catch up with it. Because, you know, I've moved on. Anyway. Uh, anyway is- so, so, yeah. So, back to the actual <laughs> news story. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Team England 1 wins the race of champions for the first time in a long time. Because it's been the Germans for the last few years. Um, and it was Schumacher and um, and whoever he was partnering with. I think they had Schumacher and Vettel one year, didn't they? I think. <laughs> Which is just like, you'd probably not bother turning up that year, would you? Let's have the four-time world <laughs> champ and the seven-time world champ. Then 11, <laughs> 11 world championships <laughs> between now, isn't it? He'd be like, nah, I think I'll give it a miss this year if that's all right. So uh, yeah, that's that's good from in, in terms of the uh, RAC being something slightly different this year. Um, as you were saying about the Red Bull engine saga <laughs> running on and on, uh, Daniel yeah, Ricciardo yeah, says yes. that apparently they uh, might well um, announce at Abu Dhabi who their engine supplier is going to be. Well, good. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Renault, but with a different badge on it, I think, isn't it? Well, that's what we all seem to be... um, That's all what we seem to be assuming it's going to be. Um, So, yeah, I don't know, really. Um, I don't think this whole... Well, this is another news story, so I don't want to get into to do it. But there's this supposed to be this alternative engine, but that's not for next year, though, is it? They're not, you know, because whoever wins the contract for it is going to have to design it and build it for a start. Um, so it must be that. It, it that's the only thing it can be, can it? They, it's it's either that they're going back to Renault or they're building their own one. 
off, either way, it's off still of a Renault be, base. Uh, it's still going to be a Renault kind of base, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, this is entirely true. Um, and then going back to our other story that's annoying you, Renault and the Lotus <laughs> Takeover. Apparently, when the takeover is complete, they will immediately change the name of the team to Renault uh, and not call it Lotus Renault or, or something. Wasn't there an issue where they were perhaps going to have to keep it Lotus because they'd entered it in the World Championship as Lotus or something like that? Well, it was for... Uh, it's Mana Marussia, isn't it? Because it's Mana running it and Marussia actually have nothing to do with that car anymore. But if they took the Marussia out, then they lost what um, Marussia had got. I yeah, is it a prize money thing or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to read the story, but there's nothing in there about really about the prize money side of things. They're just saying, I don't see why we should wait. And I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of glad with that, really. Um uh, Lotus CEO says he's confident it's just a matter of time before everybody signs everything. Just been hearing that for weeks, haven't <laughs> yes. we? So it's like the Renault thing again. Like, just tell me when it's done. Don't tell me that it's going to be done. Just tell me when it's done. <laughs> yes, just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> it's not, not really a new story to say it might be done soon. That's not. That's that's telling me nothing. That <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, Force India have signed another mexican to the team uh, seen that seen that yeah um don't know anything about him but no well there you <laughs> go um and pascal verlin the mercedes reserve driver thinks that there is a 50 50 chance he will be on the formula one grid system next season i have no idea where um because yeah. the only seats that are yeah. open a manner aren't they so yeah um uh, so is he saying that he's got a 50-50 chance of driving a Manor next season? Is that well, what he's saying? It seems like it. A Manor going over to Mercedes next year. They are, yeah. Which may, would make well, sense. maybe that's it then. Maybe they get cheap engines if they run a driver. Starting to look that way. He's got a very silly haircut, has Pascal Verlin. I have to point this out. <laughs> it looks like... Uh... Do you remember Kid and Play from the 90s? <laughs> no, I don't know. No, no. Oh. <laughs> One of them had a really, really tall haircut, and it kind of Pascal Valens looks like that. If somebody had then come along with like a hedge trimmer and then trimmed it <laughs> up an inch above his head, there you go. One for the oldies out there, if you remember Kid and Play. <laughs> they were uh, like, I don't know what they were like. They were like Anton Deck, but actually real, like rappers. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, Alex Verts looked like he was going to the Manor team, and then maybe he's not. So. Um, I don't know what's going on there. There were reports that he was, and then there were reports that they weren't, and now he's saying maybe. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. What's, Who knows? What's really going on? He says maybe he will have a, a management role in in the future to come. Well, I don't know. What else is he doing right now? Well, he's the GPDA, isn't he? Or whatever the... the he's the head of that, isn't he? It's um, just being Alex Vertz. <laughs> Professionally being Alex <laughs> Professionally Vertz. being Alex Vertz. Nice. Um... Honda have come out and said that it is now too late for them to um, supply a second team in 2016. Although, since McLaren had vetoed doing that anyway, I don't really get the point of that statement. And I guess them saying that they were prepared, they would have done it if McLaren hadn't vetoed, but we knew that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Again, not really news, is it? Really, <laughs> we already we knew they weren't going to be doing anything. So... Um. 
BBC could lose Formula One. Ah, yeah, I've read this because you know they're they're making cuts. Uh, so it's self-inflicted. Yes. Really. I don't um, kind of I find it very difficult to have any sympathy for the BBC and people who watch the Formula One coverage on the BBC, and that's not because you know I'm some Sky fanatic. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Got enough problems with their coverage as it is, but you know it is what it is. It's the same as football, isn't it? When football went from you know, being on the BBC to being on Sky, everybody threw up their hands and said, oh, I'm never going to watch football again. And all this nonsense. But you do, you know, it, it's just the way it is. And I think we've all now got to realise that anything that costs the amount of money it, it does to run is not going to go, yeah, that's fine, we'll just stick it on free TV. Especially free TV with no advertising revenue coming back to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I could understand if it had gone on to ITV and ITV said, well, you can get 50% of all of our, you know, the advert fees for for putting it on that channel, then that's you know that's one thing, isn't it, to put it on a free to air channel where there's ads, and they can make money that way. But I don't know. So a shame, I guess. Um, I don't have any time for either David Coulthard or Eddie Jordan, particularly being on my TV screen. So it, it it's of no loss to me, uh, and I think the rest of the broadcast team around Formula One is even worse than they are. So. Ah, I don't mind Coulthard, yeah, but the rest of them I can live without. It's just because he's, he's Scottish, for goodness sake. <laughs> just think he's all right, but uh, <laughs> he's, I, I haven't seen a, a Formula One on BBC since it went to Sky, so I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I have occasionally turned over and then I just hear the commentary team and just go, no. To me, no. It's, uh, Martin Brundle is Formula One. Like, whatever Martin Brundle is is where I will be. Yeah, I, you know... I think we've said, both of us said before, we can take or leave David Croft. But I do like Martin Brundle on commentary. A little less now that he seems to be playing the um, skyline and, you know, pushing the news in and his opinions in the way that they seem to be wanting to go. But still, even then, he generally talks a lot more sense than most of the other people. Uh, and talks talks around the race in a way that I enjoy, so... Um, Fernando Alonso <laughs> coming out and saying um, as frustrating as this season has been it's less frustrating than when you're consistently ending up P2 or P3 uh, and I can kind of understand that I think it's the, the difference between expectation and reality mm-hmm. there is yeah. no there oh, I, get it. I get it yeah. there is no expectation for him to be winning races or doing anything in the McLaren especially after the first couple of races when it was quite clear that the car wasn't there um, so if he doesn't finish or if he finishes low down on the grid well so what it, it doesn't mean anything it's annoying you know what I mean I'm sure he'd rather be winning races but he's not not winning races because he could have won them mm-hmm. yeah, Whereas he's, when just, he's, he's never going to be winning these no. races but when you're Sebastian Vettel and you're turning up on the track and you run in third in clear air because you're, you're clearly quicker than everybody behind you but no matter how quick you are, you're just nowhere to the car in front. That's got to almost be more frustrating to sit there and be so close, but consistently have what you're striving for denied to you, um, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, I think I can understand where he's coming from on that. I'm sure lots of people will say, "Oh yeah," blah blah blah. But he's been cons- quite consistent about saying that kind of thing, you know, all season, hasn't he? Really, is that was the reason why he wasn't bothered about leaving Ferrari because 
he didn't feel he was ever going to get any, you know, um, anywhere better than he was already getting. So why bother? Well, he's, to an extent, he's been proven right, hasn't he? If he'd been in the Ferrari this season, he'd be in uh, exactly the same position as, as where Sebastian is now, which is best of the rest. So, um, Another McLaren story. Um, Tag Hur uh, is now going to be a Red Bull sponsor instead of a McLaren sponsor. Um, a bit of a pain point for McLaren, I guess. Um but I'd, I'd conveniently suggest that uh, the deal that they've got with Honda going on at the moment probably saves them enough money that losing some sponsors isn't. And they they signed a new sponsor fairly recently, didn't they? With the the Champagne people. So one in, one out, I guess. Um, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's an interesting one for all of those people. Where you know, assuming you're know, talking about budget caps and bits and pieces. Uh, Red Bull spent two hundred million pounds in the twenty fourteen system uh, season. Uh, two hundred million pounds to <laughs> to do what exactly? <laughs> to be fourth in the championship. <laughs> it's a bit like when a football team spends a lot of money on transfers and has nothing. It's like, what have they spent the money on? Like Liverpool, Red Bull or <laughs> <Yes>. Liverpool? <laughs> <laughs> You've got you spent all this money and got absolutely nothing to show for it. They'll be back. Oh, Surely, I, I think back. they absolutely can. They, they they need this. They just need this engine deal thing to 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 happen. Um, and they're a bit like McLaren. You know, the chassis is going to be good, probably. Like, yeah, I, I think I think that's what it is. I think it's a it's a bit of a shame, really, that McLaren didn't say yes to allowing, um, you know, Honda to supply Red Bull because I think we could have worked together. And I, I think it wouldn't have done them any harm. To do it, I know what they're saying is that they want, you know, they want the engine to be, um, you know, tailored to the McLaren as the works team. But I think you could have, you know, I, I think you, I think they could have still got that regardless of whether they built extra units for, you know, for the Red Bull team, uh, and it would have just given them, you know, extra data to work on, you know, what what's working in the Red Bull compared to the McLaren. It gives you some some direct comparison because the problem at the moment, I guess, is that. They've only got the data coming from the two cars, and the cars aren't finishing all the time. You know, um, if if sticking them in another car, or, or you know, Red Bull have the ability to put a different turbo, uh, the turbo unit in, which is apparently the thing that's causing them all the problems. You know, but the the rest of the unit is fine. Well, isn't that good? You know, isn't that good data to get back to Honda to say, ah, okay, well, you know, if we stick this turbo in. All of our problems will be solved. You've just got to, you know, redesign the chassis a bit to accommodate it. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing? Instead of having to build two units yourself to try and see whether, you know, a different turbo makes any difference. You'd have thought that would have been helpful, or I would have thought that would have been helpful, but I don't know. It's Formula One, isn't it? It's very hard to get teams to to see past, <laughs> you know, seeing exclusivity as being the most important thing in a deal. Um, I don't know. That's that's what I think, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said it before when we were talking about Red Bull, but I, I quite like the idea of them doing their own engine, just in the same way that you know McLaren 
although it's Honda, they they have they clearly have you know that that engine is built for that car. It, it just I feel if they do go down that route, it, it's surely a better route than say Williams of just being the number two Mercedes or if, if Red Bull had taken a Ferrari and just being the number two Ferrari like. It, it, it's so at least that it shows ambition you know that whereas Williams that's been my biggest criticism this whole last two seasons they just seem to lack the ambition They're very content with being the number two side yeah so I, I, do, I, I would quite like to see it might it might not pay off it might be a complete disaster they might build an absolute stinkery an engine but I, I'm a bit I, I respect them more for going for it than just accepting Ferrari engines and being a bit sort of B team Ferrari. Yeah. Have a go, attack. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but give it a shot. And it certainly would endear me to them more. Well, I think that's definitely that's definitely true, isn't it really? Um I think um the sport needs people who are gonna take the sport forward whether there are other impediments that stop people doing that like cost and stuff I'm, let's put that to one side for a second as a side issue it's not just about affording it there's a mindset that you need I think to be a successful Formula 1 team and it's it's the McLaren mindset which is I would rather risk everything and go with Honda than spend another season you know being behind the Mercedes because we, we you know, we ne- we were never getting the best deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather see that. And that's my problem with Williams in that they go, great, we've got the, the best engine. All right. It's never going to be the a spec engine compared to the other uh, Mercedes, but Hey, that means that we can race for, you know, third and fourth place. Isn't that good? It's like, no, it's not good. <laughs> not really. That's, you shouldn't be satisfied with that at all. You know, I, I'm sure the money you get from the, finishing that much higher up the grid than when you were at the back is good and all those other bits and pieces but still I don't I don't want to see Formula 1 teams satisfied with that they should all be thinking let's go and beat Mercedes let's go and design the car to to beat Mercedes what can we do to beat Mercedes what do we have to invest in to beat Mercedes and that be their their only focus Um, even if that means doing radical things that maybe don't pay off in the short term I agree, which is why I really hope McLaren get it together next season, because another season like this, and it'll be really difficult to justify that, <laughs> that means, but it, they have to be, they have to be where Red Bull are this season at a minimum next season, I think. What's a realistic aim for McLaren next year, do you think? I think I think realistically if if they can sort out the issue with the turbo one way or t'other then they have to say we need to finish above Force India um, who represent probably the best midfield team mm-hmm. you say um, or whoever is filling in that sort of fourth place I wouldn't expect them to be better than the Red Bulls or the Williams and certainly not the Ferrari or the Mercedes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you've got to say 
the the target the minimum target has to be to set up step up and be confident of getting good points hauls per race without it being a you know a miracle um <laughs> yeah <laughs> that said if if they start off the season doing that then you know you want to see some development don't you and the, the team is capable of that i think they always have been so I, I, you know if they start off that then i'd love to hear you know hear from the team saying right okay well we're clearly better than you know toro rosso sauber force india haas our target is then to beat red bull you know we feel they you know they've got a worse engine than us now um we can build on this and get in front of them and that's our target we, we you know we don't want to finish fifth in this country we want to finish fourth um you know and if halfway through the season they're, they're doing that then fine say okay well williams are our next tar- target and they're going i, I want to you know feel that the team is making those kind of targets i don't know whether that'll happen i'm I think the team is capable of making. I think the. I think the engine is capable of making a big leap in one go. I, I think there is a. There's a fundamental problem. But the thing about fundamental problems is, you know what they are, um, and then it's just about solving them. If you can solve them, then you fundamentally make the engine better. It, it, it's not searching for tenths or you know, bits and pieces here to improve. It's about you know, really making that leap. But I think we all know where the where the deficiencies are. Solve those obvious deficiencies. You you should be able to leapfrog teams who, within all fairness to them, and I don't want to sound like a an F one snob, but are are the you know lower tier teams. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they are the B teams of the, of the grid, and we un, we just we have to under we we understand that they are underfunded because they're private teams and all the other bits and pieces no disrespect meant, meant to them at all but the expectation is is that a team like Williams and McLaren should be better than a team like Force India or Sauber and uh, I, I think we understand that's the case would you would you agree with that, that yeah oh, absolutely 100% so you know if that's the case then you've you've got to say that is your minimum target really as one of those top teams is to be well ahead of the the B teams Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. Couldn't argue with you at all. Do you think Ferrari have got what it takes to um, to catch Mercedes? To catch Mercedes. My heart says yeah, but my brain says no. I don't, I don't think they will. Uh, they might close the gap a little bit, but I still expect maybe I've become a little bit sort of just complacent with regards to just expecting Mercedes to be there all the time. But at this stage. I've not seen. I don't. I don't get any feeling that it won't be Mercedes front row lockout come the first Grand Prix next season. I would be surprised if Ferrari didn't maybe close the gap a little bit, but I still don't think they'll be. I don't think we'll have what we want. I don't think we'll have um, them, you know, challenging for race victories on pure pace weekly next season i think i may have to wait till the season after that but i hope i'm wrong like i say i'm just a little bit sort of skeptical and become so used to mercedes being where they are that it's tough to see anything other than that at the moment even though i would love to what do you think uh i have a tendency to agree with you i think there's um 
The Mercedes is that good. Like you say, it's a monster car. It's one of the best cars we've probably ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's that good. It's yeah. going to take a lot. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I just, I just kind of feel that the the regulations are getting away from teams being able to catch Mercedes next year, um, and I think it does need the, the whatever shake up we're going to get in twenty seventeen to, to to mix it up, which sucks because I don't, you know, it would be nice to see the cars evolve for more than two seasons before the regulations change to try and switch it all up. But it just doesn't, you know, every time they switch the regulations up, one team seems to just get hold of all the regulations. 10 times better than everybody else and we end up with the same situation um so i i think unfortunately it will be another mercedes dominated next year unless unless mclaren pull off some kind of miracle or rebel pull off some kind of miracle with their engines and magically find the key to putting those cars to be as fast as the mercedes um and then you know the the chassis just turn out to be even better, and we've just not been seeing them because they've got crap engines in them. This, I think that's the only way. I, I think Ferrari have possibly gotten to the edge of where what they can change in the engine has has got them. I, I think if they were going to challenge next season, they would have been closer at the end of this season. But the gap seems to be the same as where we started at the start of the season. There was fifteen seconds. Do you know what I mean, or whatever it was, or twenty seconds in Australia, and we sat here at the last last couple of races with exactly the same. Yep. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and that's why it doesn't really give me any. I think Ferrari will definitely improve over the winter, but almost all the Mercedes probably. Yeah. Well, they, and they already appear to be doing, don't they? Do you know what I mean? Um, if we work on the old adage that, um, you know, to maintain your advantage, you can't stand still. They all must be improving the cars, in which case Mercedes are at least maintaining pace with whatever Ferrari are doing, if not, you know, if not excelling it. That's it. So I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm loath to end on a bit of a dull note, but I expect more of the same next season. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully well, not. Fingers crossed we'll see. Nobody expected Braun to win the World Championship when they did, so who knows what might happen. That's true. That's true. That's why I love F1, because you do never know what might happen. It, does <laughs> it, has, to be, it has to be said, as, as moany and as pessimistic as we're being, we will both still turn up for Australia absolutely <laughs> Absol excited oh, to course. see what's going to happen. Um, nothing like the first weekend of the F1 season. Absolutely nothing like it. Setting your alarm clock to get up at five in the morning for Albert Park. Absolutely. Well, I think that takes us nicely to the end of the uh, podcast of this episode. Um, so thank you very much for listening for a start. Um, as always, you can go to www.lastlappodcast.co.uk to uh, download the episodes, uh, comment, uh, leave us little messages and, and do whatever and check out past episodes as well. Um, find us on iTunes or TuneIn for your uh, smartphones or whatever device you want to listen to us on. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, you can find us at Last Lap Podcast, and you can search for us on Facebook. Just look for the Last Lap Podcast. Uh, the links are always on the uh, uh, on the website, so you can always uh, find us there. Um, and uh, yes, it will be Abu Dhabi uh, mm, next out. <laughs> Sean must uh. be so excited <laughs> for that. I I'm, I'm sure. Um, 
Not my favourite. Not my favourite, must be said. At least it's not double points this season. It's got everything I dislike about a Formula One track. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, all rolled into one. Oh, dear. I suppose, that, like, I suppose from that point of view, we could at least get all the negatives out of the way on one Grand Prix. <laughs> uh, this will make you happy. I was I was online talking about this. We were talking about this, and I said... Uh, um, I can't remember. I think we were saying that uh, that one of the other one of the other races might be dropped, and I said oh, I don't know why we can't drop Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. And somebody said um, Abu Dhabi was one of the best um, the best races of the season. I don't see why they don't drop Australia. <laughs> 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 who the hell said that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say who it was just to protect their identity from the. the... I mean, I, different strokes for different folks, but. <laughs> That's what they're into. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Well, I want indeed. some. I want some of what they're having. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. If it means that I end up liking Abu Dhabi, that's. No. Uh... <laughs> I, I've been. That might be a good Grand Prix. Bad tracks throw up good Grand Prix, but just it's just it's not what I want. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right then, guys. Well, thanks very much for listening again. Uh, like I said, we'll be back after the Abu Grand Prix. So uh, tune in then. See you then. Bye bye. Just-